Are you tired of undercharging, over-delivering, and overworking? Well, I have some good news for you. I put together a free course for women web designers who want to make more money without overworking. Just go to webdesigneracademy.com forward slash free course or click on the link in the show notes of this episode to get instant access. And since you love podcasts, when you sign up, you'll have the option to get the entire free course instantly in a podcast feed so that you can listen on the go. So if it feels like you've been working 24-7 but not making as much as you want, go get that free course right now at webdesigneracademy.com forward slash free course. Welcome to the Profitable Web Designer Podcast, where we're all about helping extraordinary web designers like you to stop undercharging, over-delivering, and overworking, and finally create the profitable, sustainable, and scalable web design business you've been dreaming of. I'm your host, Shannon Mattern, founder of the Web Designer Academy, where we teach the business side of running a web design business. So if you want to make a consistent full-time income as a web designer, but you're struggling with things like pricing and boundaries and mindset and marketing, and you're just tired of going it alone, well, my friend, you're in the right place. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Profitable Web Designer Podcast, where I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Matt Kasner, who helps designers go from employee to boss. He recently just hosted the Purpose to Profit Design Biz Summit. He is so, so passionate about helping you create a profitable design business, hence why he is the perfect guest for the Profitable Web Designer Podcast. So Matt, thank you so much for being here. Can you share a little bit more with our listeners about who you are and what you do? And then I get to ask you all of the nosy web design business questions that everyone's here for. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. First of all, Shannon, thank you. It's a privilege to be here with you today. And uh, I'm excited to dive into the, the nitty gritty of being a profitable web design business owner. So my story is um, going to school, and I'm, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. You know, the web, there, there, there was no web design class. I mean, there was no YouTube. There, I, I mean, it was literally a graphic design class that I was in. And a friend of mine, we were sitting at, at, in the computer lab, and he's playing with a version of Netscape Navigator Gold, okay? And he's like, dude, I just found out how to edit this web page. And we're looking at each other going, that's freaking amazing. And that was like the genesis. And we're like looking at each other going like, and I can build stuff in Photoshop and I can put it online. It's like, oh, this is awesome. So that was the beginning for me. And I've kind of grown up in the web as it's kind of progressed and kind of through all the iterations through 2.0. And I mean, now we got this web three thing staring us in the face and I'm like, I'm like deer in headlights. But, you know, for me, it was always about discovery. And building pages in a notepad, coding HTML in a notepad, and then eventually moving into, you know, this database-driven stuff, and and then ultimately into the CMSs that are out there now. I'm I'm now a WordPress guy. I've been a WordPress guy for many many years, and just have seen the evolution of building websites go from just nobody had one to. Now it's got to have a database back in. Now I want to be able to control the content. And now I want to be able to, you know, sell everything. So 
it's been a fun process, but probably one of the most unique things about me is I started in Kansas City, worked through some agencies, some corporate marketing departments, and and that's kind of where I got some on-the-job training. And, and if you're like me, Shannon, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's an ever-evolving, ever-learning career. I mean, you're always learning. But about 20 years ago, my family was young and we, we kind of wanted to get out of the city. So my wife and I found a, a house and I was able to telecommute, which is like today's terms is called working remote, but they called it telecommuting back in the day. And so we found a house and we've lived in this house for 20 years and we're in a town in East central Kansas with a population of 650 people. So I guess if my story is anything, it's possible to build a business in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, the good news for today is with technology and the ability to literally, you know, we can have, we have the internet in our pockets now. It, to me, it's just a fun day to be a web designer. Just because of the options that are available, there really is no limit to what we can do as business owners. And to me, that's just incredibly exciting. I love it. I felt that excitement too back in the early like gal date myself, like macromedia dreamweaver, like was oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, where I was learning. But I love that you had this evolution, you've had this journey, and you mentioned corporate marketing departments and agencies. When did you start taking on your own freelance clients? in this process? So I got my first freelance client as a junior in a high school. Someone asked me to do a little illustration for a little publication. And that's kind of where I got my first taste of it. But as far as like web freelance, that happened after a couple of years in industry, after college. I mean, I, I took out a loan to buy my first computer. And I did that too. really is what, that's what enabled me to to start the side hustle. You know what I mean? Back then, it was a significant loan to go get a computer. And my wife, thankfully, was on board with it. But I mean, it wasn't cheap. And so that was the genesis of it. Once I had the tools at my house, then yeah. nights and weekends were my own. And I could do whatever I wanted to. So that's where you know I started. Friends started asking me and former colleagues, either former business owners. That's just kind of how I started. I started the freelance hustle was just in my basement with my computer. I like forget how old I am sometimes or maybe how fast technology moves. But yes, I had to take a loan out to buy my gateway. It came in the cow mm -hmm. box and... Mm -hmm. It was a thing to have a computer. It wasn't just like how it is now where I'm just like, close my laptop, throw it in the bag, go to the coffee shop, whatever. Like, I forget how probably like how wide open the opportunity was for you because you had the tool. Not everybody had the tool because you had the skills. Very few people had the skills. And like, you're the guy. You're the guy that like that they know that can do it. And like someone knows a guy who knows a guy who knows you, right? <laughs> so, so you were doing freelance projects. People were coming to you. You're the guy. Do you still have a day job now? 
Well, I mean, I run my agency now. That's oh, my, I, that's my I knew that. Job. I knew that you, yeah. yeah. So what was the shift for you to go from employed by someone else to employed by yourself? That's a fantastic question. So a couple of things that kind of led me to the leap, as I call it, to jump out of the boat and go full-time on my own. The first one was I had developed a fairly good network. Yeah. I had a few projects under my belt and had um, already built a couple of a couple of retainer clients that were small, 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 small contracts, pretty much just maintenance, not much into that. I, I got into some of the other you know, recurring revenue later, yeah. uh, which is huge. But probably the the big thing for me was someone that was a former employer of mine that I had left a few years before was starting to get on board with some of the web stuff. And I had worked for them in kind of a, a design capacity, but they knew that I could do the website stuff too. And they knew that they could probably find somebody internally to do the job, but because they knew me and they knew what I was capable of, they offered me a small contract. It wasn't anything big, but for me, it was a little bit of a lifeline and it was like, okay, so this is like 12 months of guaranteed money that I'm going to get in my business. Now I say it, it was what I needed and the confidence I needed to say, if I can do this one time, I can do this again. And so for me and my wife, we had a couple of small kids at the time, you know, that's kind of a big decision when you're like looking at maybe stepping away from the benefits and some of the, yeah. the other things that come with the nine to five. But at the end of the day, Shannon, besides having that, that little promise of recurring revenue that was going to come in, which gave me something to build on, it really opened up for me the possibilities of, okay, what really can I do on my own? Yeah. Working in a corporate job is secure. The benefits are good. But I was in a box. I felt like I was in a box. I felt like that my income potential was hindered because of that. And honestly, I was working a ton. At the time, I had a pager on my hip and I was on call. And so, you know, that digital leash, it, it has different yeah. form today. It's called a cell phone. Yeah. I really had a hard time staying in that job because it was wearing me out. My kids were little. I was like, I'm spending no time at home. And I was like, okay, if there's any time to do it, this gift of this contract was it. And so I was like, okay, I've got X number covered and my monthly expenses. I got to go find the rest. Well, thankfully I had been doing this side hustle for long enough. I already had kind of a network. And huh, I tell this story about not every job that I had was great. I wish it was. I wish I could tell you that every position that I was in was great. I learned something in every one of those yes. jobs, but it wasn't always my favorite place to be. And thankfully, there weren't too many of those. Uh, There's some that I walked away from and I said, I, I don't care to ever come back here again. But the good news is that there were a lot of the places that I had spent my time before I went full-time as a freelancer. And those relationships were still very, very valid to me. And, I, you know, LinkedIn really wasn't there at the time. But I mean, I had email addresses for all my past supervisors. And I just said, hey, listen, I'm doing this new thing. And, you know, I'm just want you to keep me in mind. 
if something comes along that I can help you with, I want to be available for you. You know what I can do. And Shannon, I'm not going to lie to you. That was the start of my referral network because those people who knew me, they liked me and they trust me, even if they didn't have projects on their own, because like you said, I I was top of mind. And so one of the things that, that freelancers can do right now is leverage the people that you already know. The people that know you are by far your best salespeople because they have confidence in you. People stress out about going to find work in the, in the wild where you know, you've got past relationships and it may be just maybe a couple of past jobs. I tell people, even though you may not be enjoying that job, do your job well, it'll come back and pay you later. And so managing relationships I've found has been probably one of my greatest secret weapons as a freelancer. It doesn't really take too many referrals to get your name out there. And then it becomes a little bit of a, a little bit of a snowball. It kind of takes on its own life. So long answer to your question. When I got started, it was because I had some relationships, I had a network, and I had that that one small little contract that was just the confidence boost that I needed to say, if I can do this once, I bet I can do it again. I love that story so much because what you just said, if I can do that once, I can do it again. That is absolutely true for anybody listening. It's like when you get that first client, absolutely. When you sell the highest price project you've ever sold. And then you start to think like, it's a fluke. They overpaid me. All of these things. You have all that imposter syndrome flooding in. Like hear Matt's words in your head. Like if I can do that once, I can do it again. And it's not a fluke. But the other thing that you were saying is like, I don't care if you're brand new, like we all have been at one time, or you've been doing this for a while, your network is the absolute hands down best way to get clients. I have people coming to me all the time saying, like, I need to learn how to, I say that I I think I've said this on every episode, like the past three episodes of this podcast, but it's so key. Like, I need to figure out how to attract clients and how to get people to find me online. And I'm like, well, you're going to be waiting for a long time. (laughs) Because there's a lot out there. And it's like, you get to go create that. Go out there and get it. Go build the relationships. Go meet people. Go let people know what you do. You don't have to be on social media and do all of these things to get clients. And you certainly don't have to like go convert strangers into clients. No, you're exactly right. In fact, it stresses me out. And there's times in my career where I heard someone say, oh, to find clients, you got to do this. You got to put yourself out there. You know, yeah, put yourself, put yourself I, I, out I, I there. I don't like, mind talking. On yeah, the internet. I don't put myself out there. <laughs> That's hard for me. It's hard for me. And I, I think a lot, I mean, especially for, for freelancers who are, are somewhat introverted, making that, it's hard, boy. Putting yourself out there. That's where imposter syndrome just rears its ugly head, yes. big and bold. And you're trying to convince an unknown crowd that you're good at what you do. And, you know, I don't know what the old ad is that, you know, it, it's, it's easier to sell an existing client than it is to go find a new one. Well, 
someone who comes to you from a referral is pre-sold. Yep. It literally, and, and I tell someone, serve, serve your first client, get a win for them. You know, have a good client relationship with them and that'll help lead to the next one. I mean, there's, there's just some things you can do at the end of an engagement. If you've done well with that client, that can set you up for the, you know, you know, for the next 12 months, if you're working with them to develop relationships. So yeah, I, you know, it's, to me, the, it's a people business and I mean, social media has its place. I'm not bashing on social media because I use it. But at the end of the day, I don't lean on it for the business that comes in, into my operation. Yeah, I use it like how we used it back when it came out to like connect with people. If I use it at all, it's going to be to reach out to you directly to connect with you to like invite you to a podcast episode or something like that to like build a real relationship. And I, and I get it that like a lot of the times we are more introverted or more reserved. And that's maybe why we chose this, this role in this, um, this thing that we love to do to like be behind the computer and just bring things to life. And we're not necessarily like super extroverted and wanting to like put ourselves out there. And so when you think you have to do that to get clients and that you have to show up to a lot of people looking at like presenting a certain image or portraying yourself a certain way, it can be debilitating is a very strong word, but it can prevent you from actually going to do the thing. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. We're perfectionistic. I mean, a lot of times entrepreneurs have to be detail oriented. Mm -hmm. And so in other words, we don't want to present ourselves to the world. If we feel like there's a flaw, if we feel like it's not going to be perceived well. So what's that do? It causes us to shrink back. It causes us to hesitate. It causes us to procrastinate. It's that imposter syndrome. It's that I don't think I'm good enough. And so instead of putting myself out there, I don't. Well, I mean, that's, that's double-edged sword because Part of being a business owner is awareness, whether you are, you know, making your services, you know, known to an existing network or if it's social media and making your existence known to a, people that you don't know. But yeah, we get in our heads all the time and, and stop ourselves from taking action in our businesses when we should be. Yeah. So you obviously like offered services, worked with clients. When did you decide? other web designers need my support. I need to mentor designers and help them with their businesses. What was the catalyst that brought you to doing the work that you're doing today? Hmm. Yeah, I, I would say some of that came with some introspection. I know that um, it was about, about seven years ago. I was really taking some inventory over where I had been in my business over the past, at that point, it had been about 13 years. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a business degree. I don't have an MBA. I don't have a marketing degree. Everything that I learned about being a freelancer, being a business owner was on the job DIY. I mean, yep. I was lucky to have a few people speak into my life, but honestly, the, the type of personality that I am, I didn't reach out for help very often, Shannon. I was like, I'm going to try to figure this out. And if I fail, I guess I learn a lesson. Well, needless to say, I learned a lot of hard lessons. And 
about six or seven years ago, I was just looking inside and I was like, in my own mind, look how far I've been able to come. And I had this moment, I was actually at a conference in Phoenix, which I don't travel very often, but I happened to be there. And the person on stage was just asking us to, you know, just kind of dream a little bit. And and I had this little vision in my head that played out that was like, wouldn't it have been nice when I was getting started in my career to know somebody like me? Yeah. Not necessarily me specifically, but somebody who had knew the ropes, somebody who kind of knew what steps to take next. Because for the first probably 15 years, I was kind of this guy bumping my toe on stuff in the dark, trying to figure out business. And I mean, eventually I got there. No, no. I mean, I, I'm grateful for that. My story is, is full of those lessons, but there were times it was hard. And those lessons sometimes came with a price tag. And at the end of the day, I, I was still grateful for what I was doing. And, and my reason for doing it was still very valid and still there, but it was hard. And I just was sitting at that conference and I'm like, you know, I can't go back in time and I can't go back and have a cup of coffee with myself and say, listen, you know, if you really want to do this thing, here's what I recommend you do first and definitely don't do these things. I couldn't do that. But the next thought that I had is there's somebody else out there that's trying to figure this out that I can't help. At that moment, that's when I was like, okay, I think I found what the next thing is. And I'm just going to see if anybody needs help and if I can help them and shave a few years, save a few dollars, get some wins, and it not cost them as much, then I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, I want to know in just a second what you would have told yourself back then about here's what to do and here's what, because I'm like, tell me more about that. But one of the things that breaks my heart is to see someone plateaued at a certain revenue level and they are so burnt out that they're like, I would rather go back and work for someone else than continue what I'm doing for another second. And you've seen it, I've seen it. And it's just like, if you just had someone to just... Because you're so close and you're so in it and you're so stuck that you don't know even how to get out of your own way sometimes. I'm so fortunate that I had a business coach who wanted to hire me. And I told her like, no, I can't hire you. I can't like, I can't take on another client. I'm like at capacity. And she's like, please let me help you because... And she wasn't, she wasn't a web designer, but like she was just a business coach. And she's just like, you need some support if you're going to be successful in the way, in the way that I know that you want to be. And I'm like, if I take on one more client, this is all going to implode. <laughs> so that's where it, and I see it happen. I see people quit. I see people set their dreams down because it's just too hard. And that's why I'm so glad there are people like you who are like, no, I want to help those people persist because we all get to those points where we've like, I think I heard this analogy. It's like our lobster shell, like we need to molt it to like yeah. grow and then reform it and molt it to grow. And you help the people who are like at the point who they've molted and now they're very vulnerable. <laughs> they need the next, yep. they need that mentorship. So 
What would you have told yourself if you could go back and have a cup of coffee with yourself back then? What advice would you give yourself? That's a fantastic, fantastic question. So I love the analogy of the, of the lobster shell and the molting because I think my advice would be, would be right along those lines. You know, I think there's stages as business owners that we have to go through. Yes. We have to go through the grind. We have to go yep. through the hustle. I don't know a shortcut for that. And honestly, if somebody's selling something that gets you through the grind of the hustle without, you know, having to do that, I mean, I'm, you know, my, my BS radar goes yep. way up. But here's the thing, you know, we hustle and we grind and we get to a level of success where you just mentioned it. We're busy. Okay. So you grind and you hustle to fill up the pipeline and then people don't shift gears. People stay in that shell and they don't make the critical adjustments. And what happens is they get burned out. Their business has turned into a job. And it's sucking their life away, which it's just like it was when they were in their GAOB. Yep. So I'm like, okay, so what you got to do is you got to look at where you're at. And that hustle has got to change into, uh, you've got to start raising your prices. You've got to start seeing where, where your real value is and start creating space for yourself because you can't do work 40 hours a week. That it just, you can't, if you're a business owner and I believe, I believe if you're a freelancer, being a business owner is just a mindset. If you feel like an employee, you're going to treat your business like you're an employee. If you don't start making some of those business-based decisions, like I need to raise my prices, then you're going to, you're going to have more than enough work because you're stinking cheap. Okay. And people are going to buy the bargain stuff all day long but nobody's going to tell you to raise your prices except for you. Okay. So that would be the first thing that I would tell myself is get some experience, get your name out there, grind and hustle, build some work up, and then start to find ways to, to increase your pricing so that the work that you're working on is more profitable and you're not spending, you're not spending all your time, you know, laboring because you really want to grow your business. You need to spend time working on your business, not necessarily spend it in your business all the time. I wish I would have known that a lot earlier. It would have saved me a lot of stress and overwhelm because, you know, I'm going to get the work done and I'll stay up as late as it takes to get the work done, knowing that maybe there's a project coming on the back end of that and it's going to be another hustle. It's going to be another grind. And that gets old real quick. Yeah. And I experienced everything that, (laughs) that you just said as well. And like, sometimes we're like, oh, our clients wouldn't possibly pay more or all of these things. But like, you don't know because you never asked, you never gave them the chance. And so you make these assumptions that I'll lose them or no one will pay me that much or all these things. And you don't see a way out of the the box that you've created for yourself. And it's like, you have to be willing to take these risks because it feels horrible now to be like working 24/7 and never having a break and grinding like it's gonna be uncomfortable to rate to tell your clients like hey i have loved working with you and i you know want to let you know that next month this is what it's 
these are my new rates. And it's uncomfortable. It's scary. Mm -hmm. But you shouldn't automatically assume that someone's not willing to pay you that much. But you also got to be ready to let them go and choose yourself because you're effectively pay like when you're undercharging because they might not be able to afford you. It's like you're paying for them with your own like money, time, and life. And that's not why you're in business. No, exactly right. And I would say right along with that, another thing that I would tell myself is, and I mentioned the mindset shift from employee to business owner. Yeah. I mean, as a business owner, that's how I started to find a way to raise my prices is I literally was started asking the why question every time I would get into a discovery call meeting with a client. You know, they would they would say, I need a website. And, you know, back in the day, Shannon, I would say, all right, let's get started. Let's go. Let's, let's get it done. Because, Tell me what you want. Because all the bells want, and whistles. Yeah, I, you're, <laughs> you're here ready to buy. I'm ready to get it done. But, you know, there were things like, you know, how do I track if this thing is, is working? How do I know if this project is really meeting the customer's needs and desires? Well, I didn't know because I never bothered to ask. And so by sitting down and digging into with the client, their real motivations, what are their goals for the, the site? Are there revenue goals that, that you're looking for? Is there a certain growth or a certain type of activity that you're hoping that website you know, takes care of? Then you can do two things. Number one, you can define some metrics that you can base success on. Okay. You can start tracking, you know, how many leads they get, how many sales they make, you know, which for them equates it at some point into dollars. And once you can start to determine the value that your, your work is going to bring to them, that's when you can start to reverse engineer what the potential value might be for the work that you bring to the table. And so that for me was, I mean, that was some, again, more advice I wish I'd have given myself earlier on to really start thinking about the work that I'm doing, not just as a web developer, but this is a web development project that's going to do something critical for this business. If I can figure out what that is, the project's more successful, and I have a potential of, of making it more profitable for me. Yeah, it's just that shift out of I'm getting paid a certain amount of money for my labor versus I'm getting paid a certain amount of money for my ideas and my solutions and what those ideas and solutions can create for my client. And yeah, that shift took a long time for me to wrap my brain around because as probably most people were conditioned to be employees, we're conditioned that I get to buy your time and this is how much I get to decide it's worth based on the market of other people doing the thing that you're doing. And to believe that you can like break out of that and do something different, it's a shift that mm. I think you need to take some intentional work to make that shift. Yeah. I, it's a process. I, again, I, yeah. I came to that realization after a lot of, I mean, it took me a long time. Yeah. You know, once I finally got there and the light went on, I was like, okay, I think I can do this. Yeah. But yeah, the mindset shift was huge. I had to get there. Yeah. So you are so committed to helping other designers shift out of those things and, you know, kind of, I think you said it so well, 
it's not that they're necessarily going to avoid the discomfort that we had in the beginning, but it's almost like it's it's speeding up the timeline and helping them not stay in those uncomfortable places for too long before they're shifting, like you said, into the next level. I mean, I still now have to experience pain to grow all the time. I get complacent and then that starts to feel worse than the discomfort of doing something new or or risky. It's a never-ending cycle. But what does it look like to work with you inside one of your programs? I guess I can tell you that I'm a bit of a dad. And, you know, sometimes, you know, my, my, my kids, you know, sometimes it's a nurturer. Sometimes I got to be the guy that says, you know, hey, straighten up. And, uh, you know, it just depends on, you know, the type of word that people need to hear yeah. wherever they happen to be. Sometimes I'm a cheerleader. My coaching career still is pretty, pretty young, but I love helping people. And part of what I guess, you know, that I help define myself as like a coach is, is now beyond the technical, beyond like the business side. I mean, I really believe that, you know, I mean, I absolutely love what I do because it's a combination of the things that I really love and I'm really good at combined with things that I really, really care about. And so I've been fortunate to have some some of those in my business. And so my goal is it's like, you know, we've got these unique skills, talents, experiences, and passions that are in our life. And I love to find a way to help people bring those all together, yeah. you know, to help them find a job that's not just paying them well, but at the end of the day, knowing you did some good work, you really helped somebody out. And, and again, I have clients that I may or may not connect with at that level, but I have a lot that I do. And for me, that investing that in time and spending that time with them is so profitable. So when I work with, with other folks, you know, sometimes they're there. Sometimes it's strategy and how do you, how do you start to think and put the processes in place that are going to help you get your business established? And, you know, most of the people that I work with are sometimes they're just getting started. Sometimes they're, they're needing to make some, some pivots or some turns to, to focus in on what they're really, really good at. I've got a couple of things that I, that I do. I, I, I have a membership that people can work with me kind of in a, in a group setting. It's called uh, Ignite. And, uh, and then I also have some, some one-on-one coaching that people can uh, connect with me if they want, you know, some, some one-on-one time just to deep dive into to what they're trying to accomplish and try to address that on a little bit more of a specific level. But yeah. I mostly work with designers. I have a few people that, you know, work with me that are not designers and that's, that's okay. But I'm a designer at heart. It's what I know the best. And my heart is really for people who, who are trying to be creative, whether it's, you know, doing web work or branding work or, or, or whatever. We've got so many gifts to give the world. And I just want to give people the ability to, to earn an income while they're doing it. I love it. And what are some of your favorite like client stories for the people that you mentor? Like what are some of the favorite shifts that you've seen in them and in their businesses that just like light you up when you see it click for them? 
I've got one of those businesses that I, I forgive me for saying this. I really don't serve a specific niche. I don't. I have been a kind of a general practitioner, web designer, web developer, and have been able to pick and choose my clients a lot more selectively in the past 10 years than I did initially, but I still love serving people in lots of different areas. But one specific client that uh, I'm just really happy about, she's an entrepreneur, she's a creative, and she struggled. She really wanted to be able to get her work out there and she does like little decor things. I mean, not necessarily my bag, but it's her passion. And I connect with her and I'm like, I'm like, doggone it. This is like a big deal to you. And there were some problems that she had that were technical. They were web related. They were getting stuff set up with her e-commerce store. And she was lost, Shannon. It's almost like I could see that frustration was like tugging on my heart. And I'm like, I can help you. And so if you're a freelancer, find a way to serve somebody, find out what they need and help them. So this story goes like this. We started working together and she was a sweetheart. And five years later, we're redesigning her website and she's killing it. I mean, I, we, we were looking at her, we were looking at her web stats not too long ago. And I mean, she's getting tons of traffic, but she solved that problem with her website. Okay. Which was foundational because it's where her sales and transactions were going to happen. And then she got smart and she started working with a Pinterest consultant and started learning how to drive traffic to her site. And I mean, it was, <laughs> but if she didn't have that initial work done, if her website was not set up and saw, and if she didn't have confidence in her own head yes. that it was going to do what she needed it to do, she was stuck in neutral. Yeah. And that happens. I, I'm telling her story. Her story is very, I mean, her, her story is awesome. I mean, she's just, she's done amazing. Others' clients are like that. I, I think one of the things that we discount in ourselves and we don't charge the prices is we don't see our value. Guys, we can do things that no one else can do. We have the ability to go in and set things up for businesses. And, and we're like giving them the keys to a new house that they get to live in. And for them, they're like, I don't know how you did that, but now I've got this new place that I can put my business in and you give them that foundation. So it's incredibly valuable. I tell my students all the time, you forget how valuable what you do is to business owners. You do things every day and it feels normal to you. It feels, it feels like breathing, but to someone else, you're walking on water. And so just remember that. Remember how much power you have to help someone who really needs your help. And then I mean, to be able to go back five years later and say, hey, let's redo this thing and to be able to celebrate all the growth that she's had in her business because she had that she had that version 1.0 of her website. That just gave me chills when you said that, you know, you feel like it's as natural as breathing, but they think that you walk on water. 
We don't even think that what we do is that valuable, but it is that valuable. Oh, that is so powerful, Matt. I have one more question for you. I may have asked you this when you were on Pep Talks for Side Hustlers with me, which I'll link up in the show notes too. My other podcast, what Matt and I talked on last year, when what, that's for any kind of freelancer, which is where I got to know him. And I asked this question to every guest on that podcast. I don't know if you remember your answer. I don't remember your answer. I'm not going to go back and double check. So maybe it's different. But what's one belief about yourself that you had to change to get where you are today? Okay. All right. So the belief that I had to change about myself, it's related to what I said about being there and seeing myself as someone who has something that someone needs. Yeah. I'm a people pleaser, Shannon. I would have let myself go way too long helping anyone I could. At the end of the day, I had to make the decision that I need to charge what I'm worth to not just be fair to myself, but to my family Mm. and to my relationships that I need to make sure that I'm charging what I'm worth so that my clients show up and respect the work that I'm doing. I'm not saying that they didn't before, but I will tell you this. When people do work with me now, they show up. They respect my time, they listen, and we work together. But I had to come to the table and put myself in that position, and I had to bring my value, and I had to display it. I had to show people that this is what it's going to be. Once I made that shift about my belief in myself, I'm not going to say things got, they did get a little easier. I'm not going to lie. It changes the way people perceive you, the way people buy from you, the way people interact with you. When people have to pay, they pay attention. That was probably the the phrase that I heard that was like, okay, all right, people are going to, there's just that investment. When it's higher, people pay attention more. So there we go. Powerful, powerful stuff. And I think that is the perfect place to wrap up this conversation. Matt, can you share with everybody where can they go to learn more about you? Where can they learn more about like working with you as their coach, as their mentor? How can they connect with you? MattKastner.com. My name has one T, so M-A-T, Kastner.com. That has my, uh, that has information about my coaching. Uh, and in other services, lots of resources. I have lots of blogs. So just come in uh, and grab some information. Awesome. Well, we will link up all of that in the show notes. So you can go to profitablewebdesignerpodcast.com, find Matt's episode, click on all the links for all of the resources and insight and advice and just fatherly mentorship that you have for people, which I absolutely love. Thank you so, so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure, Shannon. Thank you. It's been fun. That's it for this week's episode. And we've linked up all of the resources we talked about today in the show notes. So you can go to webdesigneracademy.com forward slash podcast to get your hands on those. And we'll be back next week with another episode designed to help you uplevel the business side of your web design business. 
So be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. And if you liked today's episode, we would be so grateful if you would share it with all your web designer friends. And if you're feeling extra generous, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review so we can get in front of even more web designers and help them transform their businesses and their lives. So simply scroll up on this episode in your podcast player and tap that leave a review link or go to webdesigneracademy.com forward slash review and it'll take you to the right spot. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you right here next week. Bye. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.